to be among you once again. On behalf of my wife, Beth, and our whole family, uh, we, I want to begin by saying thank you to you as a congregation for your very faithful support of our mission ministry. Um, and to, just to correct you, Stephen, we weren't in five years in Bahrain, we were 20 years on the mission field. We were more than 13 and a half years in Estonia, and uh, your congregation, I'm sure, was, uh, those many years that we were there, and you remember that we come, we have a, we're blessed with a large family, and uh, this congregation has been very, very special. You know, we a lot of congregations, but when your children remember North Holland, um, and they all do, because if you remember, we used to have picnics out here, and you always invited us to your church picnic, and you always made us feel very, very special. And there were always people like Ron and Ruth Halst who were faithful at writing, and I know that Ruth is now with the Lord in glory. Uh, we were very saddened by that, uh, but we knew it was coming, and, and we just celebrate uh, her life uh, along with so many of you, and for your the faithfulness. We just really are grateful. And uh, I want to not only thank you, I, I want us to give the Lord a clap offering. We were 13 and a half years in Estonia. We were eight and a half years in Ukraine, and we could not do it without congregations like this that faithfully pray and faithfully give. So if you go to the fair, eat lots of pie, and support missions, in that great way. But it is so true, Stephen, that presence means a lot. And I think that, that the world is looking for the church to make a difference, to make a difference in, in the small ways. And when we put people on the spot, don't ever neg negate how important that is. Uh, I praise God. Now, I, I want to too. First, Lord, a clap offering, because you supported us more than 25 years. And it's very different for us to come home and stay. We, keep, we keep, kept thinking, okay, when do we need to go back? But just so that you know a little bit about us now, we are in Hudsonville. We, we found a condo in Hudsonville. And so we're about 20, 25 minutes from you. And I hope when you need pulpit supply, you call on me and I'll be able to come and I would be blessed to be among you, preach and teach when you're not around, Stephen. But um, thank you so much for all of these years of support. To give you a, a quick update before I get into the message, uh, Joshua, our oldest, is now uh, at Audio Scripture Ministries right here in town, and he with three wonderful grandchildren. Patricia is in Chicago. Uh, Elizabeth is in Bahrain. She's home with us for the summer, but she will be returning in August back to Bahrain because she's a teacher there in the mission school at Al-Rajah. And she said, Mom and Dad, the Lord may be back to the USA, but... 
I feel that I should stay, and we're just thrilled about that. Uh, Hannah is living with us. She is part actress, part musician, and uh, she's living with us in Hudsonville. Uh, Jonathan is in the Air Force uh, right now in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, but he will soon be relocated. And Stephen is now married as of two weeks ago. Uh, we have a Stephen too. And he a little bit confusing. Anna will be living in Grand Rapids, and uh, he's a personal trainer there. And then Catherine, who I, I might have asked you a year ago to pray for her, because for the last six months she's been with And uh, are we having trouble with this? Keep going, okay. And uh, just three weeks ago, she uh, Youth of the Mission Disciple. And uh, we're going to switch, right? Okay, no problem. Great. Thank you. Whoa, that's much better. She ended up doing her, her um, three-month of mission out in, in a place called Curacao. Have you ever heard of it? That's what I thought. Uh, I had never heard of it. It's, it's just north of Venezuela in the Caribbean Sea, and uh, she had a great time with YWAM. So thank you for uh, your prayers for her. Now, I would like us this morning to stand in honor of God's Word. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And for those of you who may not know, I'm now serving as the coordinator for prayer mobilization for the RCA. And... uh, And so, naturally, I want to bring a message, an important message about prayer. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, the unjust judge said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Please be seated. Last November, I and one of, one of the members of our 
ELC congregation in Bahrain had the great privilege to actually go to the very broken nation of South Sudan, one of the poorest nations in the world, one that's been racked with civil war for the last 50 years of the last 70 years. It's all they've known is war. And a number of years ago, I had a close friend that I made a reconnection with. And the Lord, he's used him in his retirement years to raise up an organization called PCC, Partnership and Compassionate Care. And, and they've done medical work out in the uh, non-city regions of South Sudan. Well, a few years back, we gave a wonderful love offering, and he was so grateful for that love offering. He came, and he wanted to thank the church in person, so he came, and a relationship formed. And since then, every year, we've done something to help the mission work in South Sudan. Well, for the last two years, the Lord laid it upon our hearts in partnership with PCC to provide a way for us to sponsor an eye clinic which would allow for cataract surgeries maybe 150 people, who most of whom were actually being blinded by their cataracts. It's a, it's a side effect of leprosy. How many in this congregation have had cataract surgery? So you talking about because I also had cataract surgery, which is why I'm not wearing glasses right now. I've, been, I've had glasses since age 12, and that's like getting... The thing that's amazing is when you have leprosy, they get so thick it actually blinds your... You meet people blinded by cataracts. And we thought, what if we could sponsor an eye clinic, and when their cataracts, when they got the new lenses put in, they would see in the name of Jesus. And so we planned for more than a year, we had a, it, which is no small thing, because we had to bring in all of the medica, medical supplies from the outside. We had to find a doctor in the country that could do it, and we finally found it. It took months. And needless to say, it was a great project, and we thought, what a beautiful witness to the love and compassion of the church of Jesus Christ that we would help people who are actually blind to see again in the name of Jesus. Well, about three weeks before actually heading over there with Wumba, we found that we were getting resistance after resistance after resistance. And then it suddenly occurred to me, and sometimes you can be a little bit thick, we don't have enough prayer support. You know, we've made all of these plans, but we don't have enough people praying. So I quickly wrote a newsletter and got that out, told, told the, R, the RCA caps people, get, we need to get this one out in a hurry. Can you get it out there within a week? And we did. And congregations like yours then were mobilized to pray. And we got our own folks praying intensely about this. And friends, we found out that Satan was resisting us on everything. We, we, we checked the inventory one week 
before arriving and found out that there were no surgical knives, even though the list was there and they had sent the supplies, no surgical knives. And I'm thinking, this is a disaster. We're going to go there, we're going to pull this all together, no surgical knives, no surgeries, nothing. Lord, we need you to intervene. And we asked God's people to pray the, the intercessors, some of them fasted. And this is what we saw, friends. The very day that Wumba and I arrived into the capital, Juba, and then flew a chartered plane, there were the surgical knives flown in that morning from Nairobi. By the grace of God, we saw our goal was to have 150 people seeing by the end of the two weeks. But we had 194 people seeing weeks. Praise God. And just give the Lord a clap offering. Because what... Sometimes the only way to get anything accomplished is to push through. See it as an acronym for pray until something happens. And that's the message. I bring you today. Too often, we get discouraged when we don't see answers to prayer right away. And we just stop praying for that thing. I mean, I know I'm guilty of that. But Jesus says we should always pray and never give up. You know, Jesus had a lot of things to say about prayer. I'm going to say this. There is no greater prayer, practitioner of prayer, than Jesus himself. And he said things like this. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He will... And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Do you hear those words? You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Because the Father wants to be glorified in the Son. And Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father. So now you need to be my eyes and ears and hands. You see what the needs are. And now you need to pray and ask for things in my name. And he's up there right now interceding on our behalf. So we pray in Jesus' name. He intercedes also before the Father and sends down the needed resources that we need. In other words, it's about partnership. You see, Jesus wants us to partner with him so that his body is on earth, he, the head, is in heaven, and together the kingdom of God is advancing. So he wants us to be partners with him. If if we just see that alone today, praise God. Because he wants to multiply the ministry. He's not content with just what's going on. And he knows he lots of people to be seeing and praying and moving the kingdom, advancing it. He also Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Now, three verbs. Ask, seek, and knock. Verbs, action words. In the Greek, imperative. Good old, those that go to seminary understand this. The Greek imperative, present imperative, means repeated action. A far better translation would have been, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Keep on seeking and you'll find. The point is we got to keep at it. Don't just do it once. At it. This gives us a parable which is basically sharing the same thing. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that this sound system will cooperate with me. No more blockage from the enemy. Sometimes you have to do that. That's, that's what I think this is, because your sound system, you're not having two of them have trouble. But the Lord wants you to hear this message, because and, and the enemy doesn't. So in Jesus' name, we pray for clear communication. In this town, there's a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now I'm going to back up. One more thing. Jesus said that we should always pray and not give up. NIV is a little bit weak on this. In the Greek, the word is enkinkao. And if you have notes, it's there. You don't have to write that down. But I encourage you to take notes and jot some of this stuff down. Enkinkao is not just giving up. It's worrying. It's having your... your uh, spirit filled with anxiety. It's having confidence that everything's going to go bad. How many of you are good at worrying? Lots of hands always go up. I tell you what, you don't have to train anybody to worry. But you have to train them to stop worrying and start praying. Worry is the opposite of faith. And Jesus said we should never give up. We should never enkinkao. He means don't be filled with anxiety, worry. Now, <clears throat> he goes on to say that this judge doesn't fear God. He doesn't care what people think. And a widow comes to him needing justice. Give me justice against my adversary. And Jesus, who is a master storyteller, who's controlling all of the details to make a point, says, the judge refuses. But finally, in the end, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice. ...of giving one a black eye or wearing him out by her... What is Jesus saying about the unjust judges' motives. They're not good. Sort of like modern-day politics. They're not usually good. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter. The widow is going to keep coming. She's going to get what she needs because she just refuses to give up. Okay? Now, Jesus is emphatic about the selfish motives. But then he makes the analogy to God. 
And he says, and the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge is saying. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Do you think he'll keep What's the answer, people? Absolutely not. You see, parables aren't just there to make comparisons. Sometimes they're there to show a great contrast. And our God is the how much more Heavenly Father. He's the one that, that knows what we need even before we ask him. And so the contrast is, is saying if the unjust judge can be moved to do what he doesn't even care how much more will your heavenly Father give you what you need? That's the point. Now, Jesus ends this story with an interesting finish. He, he gives us an end-time warning. However, when the Son of Man comes, will find on the earth? What do we know about last things? Eschatology. We know that it's going to be a hard time on the earth. It's going to be painful. Matthew 20. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 21 is a summary verse. Then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Now, friends... We know that there's been greater pressure on our own culture here in the United States in recent years. But we've had the privilege of serving in a place where they really see the resistance. Where somebody that I baptized from Saudi Arabia went back to Saudi Arabia and stopped coming. And we later found that they're, they're, they found the body in the desert probably an honor killing at the hands of their own family. When you're living in an Islamic setting, you begin to realize how real this whole warning is, that there will be people that will kill thinking that they're doing God a service, that kind of deception. And in recent years, we had the great privilege of baptizing a number of people coming out of Islam. We praise God for that. We also have a lot of Asian Indians that make up our congregation. And back in their homes, they're under intense pressure from fanatical Hindus who are putting lots of pressure to, to, for the Christians to reconvert back to Hinduism. I'm telling you, friends, we're living, the, the, the threat is very real even of death. But Jesus said, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, and not before. So friends, the bottom line is we need to persevere in our praying. 
And if you're taking notes, I want you to I encourage you to do that. We, I see at least four applications for us. First of all, one, don't worry, start praying. Or I could say stop worrying and start praying. Because worry is like water. A little bit of water is okay. But water can quickly become a problem. It begins as a trickle of doubt creeps into your mind. But if it isn't stopped, it soon becomes like a stream of fear, which can create a pond of paranoia, which overturns and overflows into a river of distress, which develops into a raging torrent of tension. And before you know it, there's a grand canyon of anxiety in your mind, and you're paralyzed. William Ward writes this about worry. Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, belief in defeat. And it's like a magnet. It sort of has a way of attracting things to itself so that it, so that it wastes today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. And nothing happens. Nothing gets done. Worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. And I like a rocking chair, but it doesn't matter how fast I go, I'm not going anywhere. That's what worry does. First, stop worrying and start praying. If we could only get ourselves, every time we start worrying, to say, wait a minute, stop, and, and, and turn it into prayer. That would be a great victory right there. Secondly, don't quit praying. Pray persistently. Now, in the parable, the poor widow goes to the judge and says, give me justice against my adversary. But she doesn't just leave him and say, you know, I'll wait for the answer till it comes. No, she just keeps pestering him and pestering him and pestering him until she gets the answer Do you pray that way? Or if the answer doesn't come right away, do you kind of slink back and stop doing it? Don't quit. It's a big mistake. Remember Hannah in the Old Testament? She didn't just pray, Lord, please give me a son. And then when the son didn't come, well, it must be the Lord's will for me not to have children. No, she just kept praying and praying and praying and praying. And who did the Lord give her? The great prophet Samuel changed the whole history of Israel. And when she committed him to the Lord, because that's the deal she made, Lord, I will give him into your service, and she did. She took him to Eli and under the service of the Lord. The Lord gave her several more sons. Praise God. 25 years ago, when I sensed a strong calling to go to the former Soviet Union and minister there, and I started announcing this to extended family, and I was talking to Beth about it, and I didn't realize that as I'm all excited about this, Beth's not excited at all. 
And, and she says, you know, Jim, you may receive a calling, but I don't sense any calling at all. So I thought, okay, I need to back off. Keep doing my ministry and pray. And I said, Lord, we're not going anywhere until Beth receives a call to go and live and work among the, in the Soviet Union, which we did. And four or five months later, she came to me one day and she says, Jim, I'm sort of terrified, but I believe the Lord really wants us to go. And then I knew. There was the confirmation I needed. Sometimes you just have to keep praying persistently. The Lord will do, will answer, and he'll, he'll make it happen because I couldn't. Thirdly, don't doubt. Pray positively. Now, in this parable, we're the ones represented by the widow. But is God like that evil, uncaring judge? Not at all. The contrast is there. Fourthly, we must expect God to what? Fill in the blanks. We must expect God to answer our prayers. Now, most of the time, I think we quit because we don't get fast answers. But God always will answer if we'll be persistent. He may not answer it the way we like it to be answered or the speed of which, but he'll always answer. You can count on it. Now, he'll answer us different ways. If he answers us quickly, just rejoice. Thank the Lord that he did. If he doesn't answer us quickly, what should we do? Keep on praying until the answer comes. Simple as that. George Mueller was a great man of the faith. And the Lord used him to raise up orphanages in Victorian England at a time when there was great poverty and a lot of needs. And he did it, he did it not by letting everybody know his needs. He did it by praying and, the, and trusting that God would bring in what was needed. And I'm telling you, there were times when there were testings. The workers go up to George one day and, they, and said, we are out of food, we have nothing to feed the children, what are we going to do? George says, well, have them all sit down at the dinner table and we're going to pray. What, what amazing faith. So they start praying. Knock, knock, knock at the door is the baker. And he says, I don't understand it, but the Lord just compelled me to, to bring the bread. Do you need it now? Here it is. Another knock, five minutes later, and there's the milkman. Don't understand it, but the cart just broke down right in front of the orphanage, so we don't want it to go to waste. Can you use it? There was the milk. Now, George Mueller... He lived his entire ministry like this. And this is what he said. I've been praying for 60... The, the great point's never to give up. Don't give up until the answer comes. I've been praying for 63 years and 8 months for one man's conversion. He's not yet saved, but I know he will be. How can otherwise? I am praying. And the day came when George Mueller died... He's, they're lowering 
his casket into the ground, and that man still was not saved. But at that very moment, he got on his knees, broke down, and repented and gave his life to Jesus. And I'm thinking, sometimes our prayers don't get answered until we're we're actually gone. But the Lord will always answer our prayers. That's persistent praying, friends. And that's inspirational stuff. Thirdly, he may answer us better. Have you ever prayed for something and give the answer better? Ram once said, if God had answered every prayer of mine, I would have married the wrong man seven times. Sometimes he's going to answer you better. And then finally, sometimes God says, no. How many of you prayed for something and the Lord made it very clear the answer is no? I was praying for my sister's situation. She was in a hard marriage, a bad marriage, and divorce was not in her vocabulary. And she said, Jim, would you, would you be willing to fast and pray and with me? for my marriage, and I said, I certainly will. And I will never forget it. I'm pacing the living room of, of our home in Estonia, and as clear as ever, the Lord said, Jim, stop praying this way. The marriage is over. And I thought, what? I mean, that's the last thing I would have ever expected. So when I told her, Linda, I think that you need to prepare to go through it. And her best friend, a a powerful prayer warrior, had told her the same thing within days of when I did. And we started praying differently for her. And I, I, I began praying, Lord, would you give her the grace to walk through these dark days and to go through the divorce? I prayed differently. The answer was no. But I want you to know that the Lord did walk with her during those dark days. And he answered, he answered differently. But he always answers. So I want to ask you today, what is the Lord saying to you in your prayer life? Have you, are you consumed with anxiety and fear and worry? Pray instead. Have you stopped praying because the answer hasn't come? Pray persistently. Make a commitment that I'm going to pray until the answer comes. Are you filled with doubt? Start praying positively and expect God to answer. And every time you see a, a door and it says push, think, pray until something happens. And friends, I'm going to pray right now for you as a congregation. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful congregation who is committed to the global mission of the church and to local mission. Lord, they love you and they love one another, and I thank you for the way that you are using this congregation. Lord, I ask you to give them a new and fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit to learn to pray powerfully in the power of the Holy Spirit to partner with you to push through 
until breakthroughs come. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.